Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Never before in the history of sports podcasts have two men brought you opinion and analysis like these two. They speak for a city that's desperate for wins and titles, not whining and travesty. You might not agree with what they have to say, but you'll defend their right to say it. Sports fans across the world, from Chicago, Illinois, this is The Mac and Reed Show. Yes, welcome into the Mac and Reed Show. And in the timeless words of Vin Scully, hi everybody and a very pleasant good evening to you wherever you may be. Thanks to the Barroom Network for broadcasting live with us on YouTube and check out all our previous episodes on YouTube, on Spotify, iTunes and Podbean, wherever you get your audio and video. Follow us on Twitter, follow me at The Real Evan Mac and follow Ross at Ross Reed. What's up there, Big Papa? How you doing? What's up? Welcome to August. Welcome to August. Yeah, dog, dog days of summer, and uh, football is upon us. It feels pretty good. That's right. Football in full swing, training camp, and heart knocks around the corner, all the good stuff. Training camp well underway. We'll lead off the show with the Bears, all the Tevin Jenkins news, all the Bears offense looking like shit news, and defense looking okay, and the rest of the headlines around the league and we lost some legends, as I alluded to. Vince Scully and Bill Russell. My God, they said death comes in three. But those two alone is just unbelievable. We'll uh, reminisce on their legacies as well. And a interesting top five, as we'll have you know random things at the end. Interesting top five today, ahead of the premiere of Bullet Train. We'll do our top five Brad Pitt movies, so stick around for that. But to begin... We have our own, uh, the, the barkeeper, if you will, Aldo Gandia. I don't know what you would call yourself, Aldo, but we have him here. And uh, you can follow him and his individual Twitter at Aldo Barkeeper. And he helps direct and produce our, our fair show here. And you can also follow him running the Barroom Network at Barroom Network. But Aldo has been at training camp and he's been our eyes on the field at Hallis Hall. What's up, Aldo? How you doing? I'm doing well, and before we get into the nitty-gritty Bears talk, I just want to, again, welcome you guys to the Barroom Network. You know, I, I first listened to you guys working together many years ago, uh, and then I was a guest on your show, and I just love the uh, uh, chemistry that the two of you have. And if I was a radio broadcasting person in Chicago, I'd figure out a way to get you guys on the radio airwaves and, and pay you guys $100,000 each because uh, you guys are really talented. And uh, I'm just really uh, proud that you guys are at the bar room right now. Thank you for the kind words. Appreciate that, all. Thank you. Got it, man. So, oh. uh, you want me to start talking Bears? I'd be happy to because I'm super excited about what the potentials are of this team. Yeah, you know, I fully realize that there are they are still in the install process, that they're still trying to determine which player is best for which position and so forth. But I think there's a lot of underappreciated talent on this team, and we're seeing uh, smidgets of it uh, in camp so far. Uh, the, the big question is, 
can they get a fully functional squad working cohesively in time for week one to upset the San Francisco 49ers? But I saw some things at camp today, like, for instance, Equinemius St. Brown. This guy is a stud, and I think you guys have been talking about him too on this show. You know, six foot four, lightning speed. Uh, Luke Getze loves him. He he has confidence in him. He has said that he has seen he saw a maturity in St. Brown with the Packers uh, last season, uh, and that's why he pounded the table for the Bears to acquire him. This guy could supplant Brian Pringle as the. Uh, uh, in the depth chart as the number two wide receiver. I don't expect that to, to happen right away uh, because of Pringle's experience and, and success in this league, but I do expect him to compete heavily for this job. And, boy, it wasn't it great to hear Matt Eberflew say that he was going to start the starters in game one of the preseason so that we could get start to get a taste of who's who and these starters can start to to build some rapport with one another. Yeah, it was funny, although I was um, talking with somebody earlier today and um, <clears throat> excuse me. Thank you, Michael, for for joining for uh, the warm welcome. But I was talking with somebody earlier today and I was I said I fully expect um, by probably midseason, maybe even sooner than that, that your number three, your, your top three wide receivers are going to be Mooney, uh, Equinemius St. Brown and uh, Velus Jones. I, I fully expect that. I think Pringo is, is a guy who. Um, they initially brought in to probably be that that fringe number two, number three guy. But if you look back at his career, he was probably more so like the fourth option on a very loaded Kansas City Chiefs offense. I just don't think that he's that guy um, when more defenses key in on him. I, I think for me, I, you're exactly right. Stock, stock up on, on, on ESQB and uh, stock up on, on Jones as well and stock down a little bit on Pringle right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, in, in the two days that I attended camp, uh, Pringle, you know, he was noticeable, but he wasn't as noticeable as St. Brown and Valus Jones is is unbelievable. The things that this guy can do immediately after catching the ball, making people miss, has that fifth gear, like a like a, a sports car. He can make people miss, and then every once in a while, there's a hookup for a deep pass with Valus Jones. That has you thinking, wow, this guy could be really, really special. I have predicted that this guy as a rookie will get over 1,000 total yards of offense because of his return skills and what he can do out of the backfield uh, and, um, you know, on some on some end arounds and and plays like that. And, of course, what he's going to do after he catches the ball. So he's going to be a fun, fun guy for the Chicago Bears fans, but also more importantly to getting us some wins this season. Yeah, very important to see a, a breath of fresh air as far as wide receivers go. And, and you pointed out Byron Pringle, Equinemius St. Brown had a really good practice today. All of the reporters were were saying as much. And Vilas Jones looks like that X factor who, you know, like Ross pointed out last week, could be a Debo Samuel type guy who just got paid. Uh, but but the utility is super important. All of that aside, I think you know seeing the the offense improve is great. But Already the the injury bug and the the rumor mill swirling here with Lucas Patrick hurting his hand was was a tough you know sign of things to come in the first place when your center goes down like that. But then Tevin Jenkins missing his sixth practice today. What do you fellas make of that? And all these rumors, the rumor mill swirling basically with bad blood with the Bears offensive line coach and Iberflus and the organization right now and him being on the trading block. Bye, Russ. Yeah, I was gonna say. Look, I mean, you know. 
Tevin Jenkins is super athletic. He's very skilled offensive lineman. It's the reason why he was drafted in the second round. Um, but if you listen to back, even when Mike Gundy, his former head coach in, uh, at Oklahoma State, um, had some questionable things to say a little bit about um, not so much his character, um, but you know how he handles adversity um, and, and things like that. And I think that Ryan Poles and the Everfoos have come in here and they've set a really high bar for you know guys wanting to compete every single day, guys wanting to to want to play football. And, and as uh, Everfoos said today, like you know I need guys out there on the grass being able to to compete every single day. And, you know, maybe Jenkins just isn't that guy, and that's okay. You know, sometimes, you know, not every guy is wired that way. Just because you're big and 6'6 and 315 pounds doesn't mean that you have that nasty streak or even you want to play football. A lot of times guys are, are pigeonholed into, into the sport just because they are really big and they are talented. So I don't think that it's a fit um, for the Bears right now. They obviously, this regime didn't draft him. Um, you know, he's had back injuries in the past. And I think when you couple those things all together, um, I think this is best for everybody to move on. And you don't want to risk putting him out in the practice field when he's had back injuries before and, and risk something happened to him, right? So hopefully this gets resolved sooner than later for both parties. Um, and we, you know, it, it, I think the Bears are, are probably making the right move right now. They, they've seen something that we haven't all seen, absolutely, you know, in terms of Jenkins and his personality and stuff like that. And if it doesn't mesh with the team and it doesn't mesh with the head coach and GM wants to do, then you have to move on. Yeah. Uh, Peggy Kaczynski, who uh, is back on the radio beat in Chicago sports scene after a brief retirement and does a show here at the Barroom Network, which will resume in January called Pass the Mic. Uh, she reported today that a source, an NFL source, uh, confirmed that the Bears are shopping Tevin Jenkins around. I spend a lot of time watching these press conferences and uh, the two or three that Tevin Jenkins has held, there's, it's clear that he's a little rough around the edges and that he's not, a, he's not a, a dumb guy by any means, but he kind of stops himself from using F-bombs and he, and he, you know, he talks like a guy who may not be as mature as you would want for an NFL uh, football player. I, and I'm just speculating based on what I'm seeing and, and hearing in between the words kind of thing. But th those are some of the reports that we've heard is that there's some maturity issues with him. And, you know, the, the Chicago Bears have a completely new coaching staff. Their offensive line coach uh, may not be getting along with uh, Tevin Jenkins. He may not be responding to the tough coaching, the tough love that this particular offensive coach or off, yeah, offensive coaches is, is giving Jenkins. So perhaps that's the problem. We've heard rumors that he likes to drink a lot of beer or whatever. I don't know about any of that, but I do agree with you, Ross. And I do agree with uh, Skokes who says that he, he, he think he sees Jenkins moving on. It, it might be a good idea to just move on. The guy is talented. And so he should bring, he should be able to bring back a middle round draft pick, even if it's conditional, I'll take it. And uh, let's cut our losses. I mean, one of the things that I've felt these two days at uh, at camp is that there is a harmony among teammates and coaches that I uh, did not see with Matt Nagy's camps. Um, clearly, after the 2018 season, 2019 season, uh, Nagy had kind of a country club approach to his training camps. He wanted to keep his players fresh. He kept them away from a lot of contact. He didn't play them in preseason games. 
this coaching staff has challenged these players, challenged them to hustle, challenge them, challenge them to hit, to be aggressive, to dive for loose balls, you know, and that's the type of mentality that is pure Chicago Bears football. And I'm glad to see that. And if Tevin Jenkins isn't going to fit into any of that or any of the other things that are being asked of him, then, uh, you know, thanks for, uh, for being around for a little while and good luck somewhere else. Mm-hmm. It's a new regime, right? So you you either embrace it or you go ahead and find a new home. And he's at that point, too, where he is a young man, so he definitely isn't entrenched in the Bears, you know, philosophies of playing and, and the rest of this organization and how it revamped there. We've talked about the offense at length, too, but Aldo, you know, you were eyes, you had eyes on the field at training camp. This defense has a new look, too, and a new head coach in Aberflus, who is defensive-minded head coach. And, again, I'll harp on it all year long. You'll hear me harp on it. This this team just does so much better under a defensive-minded head coach historically. And I, I love it. I'm all for it with a revamped secondary and Roquan Smith, you know, hopefully getting a big deal soon. And defensive line, there's some new plug-in players that, that could be menacing for other quarterbacks in the NFC North. What did you see from the defense at, at training camp that you liked and what you didn't like so far, Aldo? Cool. Uh, and, and quickly before I answer that question, this question here, would Pace, Ryan Pace now with the Fal- Falcons take Jenkins and Newsom for Pitts? Absolutely not. If he did that, then he's dumber than I think that he is. Kyle Pitts is going to be an astronomical tight end in this league. He's got – unbelievable physical he's got Bo Jackson type of physical skills and uh, I expect that uh, in his second year in the NFL he's going to demonstrate that on a regular basis yeah Pitts is a superstar and and to even touch further on the on the Ryan Pace part I I think um, Ryan Pace even training for Jenkins would would be kind of be I I don't see it personally Um, I know he's been uh, bringing a lot of ex-bears but I think that he made a colossal mistake trading up for Tevin Jenkins. And I don't think he wants to compound that anymore by trying to trade again for Jenkins. I think he's going to try and remove himself as far away as he can from that football player. And that's going to be somebody else's problem long-term. Yeah, there you go. Uh, As for this defense, you know, I really have high expectations for this defense. Let's sign Roquan Smith, hopefully sooner rather than later so that we can get him some practice snaps uh, in a little bit, maybe a little bit of action in the preseason, because I think that combination of Morrow and Roquan Smith with their sideline to sideline speed and their ability to cover uh, uh, receivers out of the backfield and tight ends, that could be astronomical. They're going to play a lot of nickel defense, and uh, this defensive back uh, uh, field is really impressive. Uh, you know, a, a lot of people criticize Ryan Post's first draft, didn't really reach out for an offensive lineman and a wide receiver. Everybody you know, believed that that was the greatest need. But if you go back and, and really analyze those games and how those games were lost in 2021, you will, you will point the finger squarely at the defensive backfield and the mistakes that they gave up and giving up, giving away fourth quarter leads and allowing explosive plays to happen. And then you had, you know, a, a safety in Eddie Jackson who, didn't really seem interested in, in tackling this, so you had to bring in an heir apparent uh, or maybe somebody who could just uh, elevate his game because 
Brisker is the type of safety who loves to play in the box. He wants to be the hitter, and that would allow Eddie Jackson to roam in that center field position and create more turnovers, a la the, the combination of Adrian Amos and Eddie Jackson in 2018. So this this back half with Roquan in there uh, and a, a nickel defense uh, with Brisker, Eddie Jackson, Jalen Johnson, Kyler Gordon has expressed a desire to play that uh, nickel cornerback, and I think you'll see him play that that nickel cornerback occasionally. And I got to tell you, there, Kendall Vildor, I know a lot of fans have given up on him because he had a really bad second half of the season, but I truly believe that there is going to be a lot of playing time for Kendall Vildor, and they've got some more depth at that defensive backfield. So we are covered there. And then as for this pass rush, if Robert Quinn can give us 10 sacks, the uh, uh, gentleman that we brought over from the Colts, Muhammad, and I, I'm not going to attempt to screw up his first name. I, I think you could see 10 sacks from each of those defensive end. Uh, so if we can get a pass rush up the middle with the players that we have, we don't have that three tech that Larry Ogunjobi would have given us uh, that superstar level uh, or close to that level uh, three tech, which this defense desperately needs. But hopefully Justin Jones and Angelo Blackson and some of these guys, uh, Mario Edwards, Greg Gabriel on, on our network has been preaching uh, Mario Edwards' capability to play three tech. If we can get performances out of those guys, you know, if it's a, as a rotating basis and, and, and no clear cut starter, uh, this defense could be one of the best defenses in the NFL. I really, really believe that. That's just not fan talk. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, we haven't even seen Angelo Blackson on the field yet, and he's going to be a major part of this defense going forward. We didn't even mention Travis Gibson, who, you know, Travis Gibson emerged last year as a, as a pass for rusher, as a rotational guy. He's one of the big reasons why um, Khalil Mack is not in Chicago anymore is because Gibson can, can give you a lot of um, productivity from there. Um, you had it on the head. I think we were talking even, you know, on, on draft night, even before draft, you know, I, we were singing the praise of, of Kyler Gordon coming out of Washington. And then now you you have him and Brisker on the inside. It reminds me a lot of a, a Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman type of duo that we saw in Seattle for so long, right? The big, the big tall, rangy thumper in the middle. And then you've got the long, rangy, athletic corner on the outside. Um, and then hopefully Eddie Jackson can return to some sort of form again, uh, form that he had again from the past, most notably when he was getting his hands on the football and getting a bunch of takeaways. That's what we need Eddie Jackson to do best. That's what he does best. Um, you know, to me, you know, we've seen Kyler Gordon line up in the inside a bunch, which is perfect for him because the league is now played predominantly on the inside now. If you look at Cooper Cup snaps from last year, 60% of his snaps were taken in the slot. Same thing with Devontae Adams. Same thing with, with Jamar Chase. Your top five receivers in this league, these guys are playing on the inside, and that allows the Bears to keep a guy like Jalen Johnson on the outside because you know a lot of these great teams have quality second um, you know, receivers on their team. And then a guy like Bill Doerr, who, like you said, has been emerging in this year's camp, can still be able to take on somebody's third wide receiver on the outside. So um, I'm super excited about these young guys, these rookies. Hopefully we get Wilcon Smith in there sooner than later. Yeah, agreed there. I, I think that, you know, we mentioned the defensive line setting the tone, and certainly you're, you're waiting to see who's going to follow 
that great Robert Quinn performance of last year and who's going to fit in in this in this new look defense. But it all does come back, I, I think, to, to Jalen Johnson and, and the rest of this secondary with Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker and Eddie Jackson. They could the, the expectations are very high for them to be a top 10 passing defense when they ranked towards the bottom of the league last year. So it's going to be a big turnaround, uh, a lot of expectations uh, of this secondary that it's going to be huge for them. And it certainly starts with training camp. Aldo, we'll, we'll get back to Ross and I talking, but and anything else with, with training camp that, that we missed that uh, on the field that really stood out? Um, yeah, let me, uh, I wrote a note here. Let me see if I can, uh, cause the memory here is not as uh, fine tuned as it used to be. There are a couple of, uh, Somebody earlier asked me, I didn't get a chance to uh, respond uh, on a different appearance that I was at, uh, and I wish I would have told him that. He asked, are there any undrafted free agents you think can make this team? Um, I don't think there's any sure locks right now, but I have been keeping an eye on Jack Sanborn, the uh, rookie from uh, Wisconsin, linebacker rookie from Wisconsin, and I love his 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 uh, enthusiasm for playing the game of football. I love uh, how hard he hits, uh, the hustle aspect. On one play today, he did drop a what should have been an interception, but I'm not going to hold out. Uh, uh, I'm not going to uh, bemoan that. This guy's going to be a special teams player if he makes the team, uh, or he, he could be hidden in the practice squad to further develop him. Jack Sanborn looks like a linebacker that can play in this league. He doesn't have that. He's not a Moro or Roquan type of linebacker. He doesn't have that extraordinary sideline to sideline speed and able to drop back and play kind of that middle safety when necessary. But he's more of a traditional uh, a linebacker and one that, you know, kind of reminds me a bit of Nick Kwiatkowski, uh, who ended up with the Raiders uh, after a good season here with the Chicago Bears. I know he played more than, more than one season, but he had one really good season with the Bears. And um, and really, that's it. I, I, I Just one last point. This coaching staff is really impressive. They kept the tempos of these two practices, and Skokes was at the – I am Skokes was in the chat room. He was at the two practices last. So he's been at four practices, and he told me, and I saw these last two practices, that this, this coaching staff is just on top of it. They move things along. They keep – players hustling and i never saw a player exhausted it's all so well planned out that they play hard they got that little break and then they play hard again they got that little break it's just really a well-run camp unlike the matt nagy kind of uh resort camp that he ran after the 2018 season so it's good to see good old chicago bears a uh, hard rock knock them style uh, with a lot of hustle. There's going to be loose balls on the field this year, and people wearing the Bears uniforms are going to be diving and fighting for those balls, unlike what we've seen in, in the past years. Guys, uh, have a great show. Thanks for having me on, and uh, I'll be backstage if you need me. Thanks, Thank Aldo. you for jumping on, Aldo. Appreciate yeah. that. A lot of in the in the chat, I think the biggest thing is this this positivity and how. Again, I've mentioned how we're somewhat the pessimists, I think, and and realists as far as anything can happen in training camp, between training camp and when the regular season starts. But a lot of what we talked about so far is positive outside of the Tevin Jenkins situation. And, and circling back to that, how we started basically diving into that is what is his value when you do trade Tevin Jenkins? And he's still so young. He hasn't He's played very limited snaps for the Bears. I, I don't know what you're giving up if you're a team uh, trying to get Tevin Jenkins at this point. I know it's upside when he has his youth, but also the, the back surgery was, was super 
um, critical in, in affecting his play going forward. So I'm curious to see how the situation plays out. And and I know it's a bunch of he said, he, she said, and, and him taking to Twitter saying, don't believe everything you hear. But but it's pretty upsetting to, to see it as a Bears fan when you figure this offensive line is going to turn a corner and it looks very cohesive and the depth is there. But, you know, as, as much as that's a, a down point, too, I think one of the positives that was pointed out during training camp as far as the offensive line that'll be so important, that battle going on from left to right, is Braxton Jones, the rookie who continues to impress at left tackle. And he has had a good offseason. He's had great practices in training camp. And you're going up against NFL talent at this point now. For you to stand out like this is definitely distracting from that that, that poor side of the offensive line stories with, with Tevin Jenkins. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think at this point, you know, the Bears would be extremely lucky if they got a, a fourth or fifth round pick for Tevin Jenkins just because I think yeah. the, the jury was out on him even before he was drafted that he was a player that had some some you know kind of maturity issues um, or, or, or want to, to go out there and, and play hard every single snap or in practice and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, you know, at this point, you kind of just need to cut bait and, and get what you can from the entire situation. And then Pretty you got to. Yeah. And then you got to you got to look forward. Right. And you know, I, I kind of tweeted out earlier today, but I, I really want the Bears to, to focus on. Um, at this point, going forward, heading into the, the first preseason game against the Chiefs, um, finding your best five guys up front and allowing those guys to kind of start gelling together and, and really being a cohesive unit. Because the most important thing coming out of the season, to me, in my opinion, even more than wins and losses, is you need to have uh, Justin Fields not running for his life for 17 games. <laughs> you really need to take this year and see what you have in Fields and, and allow him to get time back there in the backfield and fully process the situation and, and really turn into a quarterback. And Justin Fields is back there running for his life where he has to run for six, 700 yards on the ground. To me, that's not really a successful way of using Fields. He's going to get hurt you know, 17 games into the season. So I need to see what the Bears' top five is going forward. It's likely going to be Patrick at center, right? He's out right now with thumb injury. Hopefully he'll come back um, in time for week one. We're likely going to have Cody White here um, at, at left guard, right? The tackles thing to me really gets super interesting because it's, you know, they've been flip-flopping, you know, all week now in terms of, you know, we've seen Riley Reef play some left tackle. We've seen him play some right tackle. We've seen Larry Borum play some right tackle. And then we've also seen Braxton Jones, the, the rookie, the fifth-round pick, kind of flop around a little bit. Um, so, you know, in my opinion, I, I think the five will shake out with Reef, Whitehair, Patrick, Schofield, who they signed right before camp started, um, yeah. and Larry Borum. But, man, if, if Braxton Jones really comes on here, that would be a pleasant surprise. Um, and if we can slide him in into maybe a starting left tackle spot and pull Riley Reef at, at right tackle and have Borum as your swing, then that's really, really – that's that would be awesome. I think that would be – um, a lot more important than what you get from uh, Tevin Jenkins in the trade right now. Yeah, that's a good point, Ross. And, and the offensive line with, with Lucas Patrick, I, I think in the chats, uh, someone was pointing out how it might be six six weeks, it looks like, for him, which is not a terribly long time, and, and you're kind of getting injured at the right time now when when these other guys are going to take their lumps, especially the rookies and, and guys who are kind of fringe getting a, a lot of playing time on the offensive line. But you said it exactly, Ross. You need Justin Fields to get more comfortable in the pocket, have better pocket presence. He's not 
going to be running for his life, hopefully, under this new-look Bears offensive line uh, in, in a new offensive play-calling strategy. And to that end, it looks like the offense, they it's a day-to-day work in progress, as Justin Fields and company said, because one day they're looking terrible. And it's super early on with, with these training camp days, but it, it seemed like a win for the offense today where they certainly, you saw Justin Fields, you, you saw what you would want to see in the regular season with his good connection to Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney hitting him for a touchdown pass. And, and seeing him in the two minute drill is going to be important too, when he's playing and come from behind games or, or down the stretch in close games like that uh, to win games, it's going to be important to see how he handles himself. So the offense, you know, it, it is going to be them taking their lumps gradually. And, and every day it looks like that we're going to see some improvement. Um, but circling back to the wide receivers too, I wanted to touch on that, Ross. I know you touched on Equinemia St. Brown and, and Darnell Mooney. So who's the number two? Is it going to be Brown at this point or Pringle or Velas Jones? to Darnell Mooney, who looks like that number one target still for yeah. uh, Justin Fields. Yeah, I think uh, I think Equinemius is going to be your X wide receiver right now with with um, with Darnell Mooney as your Y receiver. And I think you know in terms of who plays in the slot more, it's going to be a combination of, of Jones and, and Pringle. And I, I really think that Jones. His, his size and speed and ability to line up all over the field is going to get him more snaps as the season goes along than Pringle. And I'm perfectly fine with that because I think that those three guys together, Mooney, Jones, and, and St. Brown, they're all young enough. They're all super athletic. Those are guys that you want to really emerge forward, you know, not only this season, but in seasons to come as your core group of guys. And if the Bears can, can be able to – draft another wide receiver in the first or second round of next year to add to that group. That's awesome. Pringle was a nice pickup. Um, and we all know about the donut stuff that he was doing in the off season with the kids in the back of the car, but let's be, let's be honest, right? He didn't sign for a big deal. He's not in this team's long-term plans. He is a, he is a guy that is a, a better receiver that's there to, to get some snaps and, and, uh, provide a little bit of value but in reality you want those other three guys to be the core group going forward and St. Brown knows this offense he's uh, showing a lot of confidence right now this coaching staff is showing a lot of confidence in him he certainly has the athletic ability right his brother is a star wide receiver already after one year with Detroit Lions um, this 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 he's got three brothers that play this position if you know about his his dad's family and stuff like that it is a great real sports uh, uh segment that talked about the, the St. Brown boys. These guys have the DNA to be able to be successful. I think Darnell Mooney's going to be an awesome wide receiver this year. We've already talked about that. And Jones has got the, all the capability to be a, a superstar, in my opinion. So those three guys, to me, are super important going forward. And then you got to factor in Cole Komet, who's having a good camp. And I've talked so much shit about Cole Komet the last couple of years. Um, I, I would love nothing more for than to him to make me eat my words. If Cole Komet emerges as the third best receiver on this football team, God bless, man. I I I love to see it. Would love to see it. And then if hey if if Akio Harry becomes kind of like your your big red zone target slash blocking wide receiver, would love to see it. But for me, my focus is on St. Brown, Mooney, and Jones. I think those three guys are going to be your exciting core going forward. Yeah, that's who you want on on big third downs going into the regular season. And and Cole Komet, it's important to to remember that. 
it's kind of a, a fresh start for him too under a new head coach and then still building some chemistry with Justin Fields. Now Jimmy Graham is gone and, and he's that number one. He's, he's a choice for a lot of you played fantasy football. I know a lot of people are calling him one of the sleeper tight ends to, to be looking at for sure. And, and hopefully he has some good production this year. And so, you know, wrapping up the bears talk too. talked about the defense. We, we talked about that secondary and, and I'm excited talking about Jaquan Brisker and, uh, Kyler Gordon and the rest of this secondary and Eddie Jackson uh, and Jalen Johnson, these guys look like they're going to play very well together. But as far as the defensive line goes and, and linebackers too, I, I suppose Ross, that front seven going to be important to uh, help give the, give the secondary a bit of a cushion and help them force turnovers and, and defend the passing game. You know, it's, it's a, a small sample size of training camp thus far, but what do you think of the pass rush and how that's shaken up and, and the linebacking core? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think like we talked about earlier, right, we really hope that that Robert Quinn can come close to replicating the season that he had last year. You really want uh, Travis Gibson to step up and emerge as that, you know, kind of next premier pass rusher that can get close to 10 sacks a season. If those guys are being able to get after the quarterback consistently, I think the pass rush is going to be pretty good, right? Um, on the inside, we haven't seen Angelo Blackson yet. I think he's going to be a big part of this defense as, you know, they're – they're uh, one of their their key nose tackles to go with Justin Jones, who they picked up from the um, from the Chargers in the offseason. And then we're going to see guys like Tonga and Mario Edwards kind of mix in a little bit and, and rotate in. To me, on the defense, you know, it, it the the two biggest things, the elephant in the room, you got to get Roquan Smith. You know, his deal is done sooner than later, right? It, it's one thing to be there in the meetings and to be still working out, but you want him on the practice field with these guys. He is the best player on the football team. He is the unquestioned leader of that defense. You got to get him out there. He plays a very, very vital point. Uh, um, you know, he's a very vital piece of this football team. We saw the aforementioned uh, Darius, now Shaquille Leonard, get a $98 million contract playing in this same defense. And I think that's what, you know, that Roquan can be better than that. He's a better athlete than Leonard. I think that's why Roquan Smith is holding out right now. But hopefully the Bears get his done, deal done sooner than later because you need him out there and you need him getting these reps with this team. Um, you know, it, it, if you compare it to, to two big names last year, right about Roquan's age group, uh, Leonard signed his deal August 8th, I believe it was. Um, so we got a couple of days until that deadline hits for Roquan. And then uh, TJ Watt with the Steelers, he didn't sign his deal until about September 10th. So, you know, it, hopefully we can get this done with a few weeks left before week one. But we got to get those guys out there. Um, but I do also think that it's a good opportunity for Morrow, who they brought in as well, um, to be calling a lot of the, the uh, you know, calling a lot of the players right now getting familiar with that, being a leader of the defense right now, Nicholas Morrill I'm talking about, because that's only going to help uh, them going forward. He's, of course, the linebacker that they picked up from the, from the Raiders. Yeah, defense, that, that's the biggest question, right? Are you going to have your captain there and on, with a comfortable new contract and well-deserved with Roquan Smith? And that will fuel the rest of that defense. Let me tell you right now, it's going to be exciting to see them uh, Pat up and the first teamers getting some some quality reps in, in the first preseason game against the Chiefs next weekend. And David Montgomery going to be a daddy. How about that? He's got new purpose, new sense of purpose. We're both fathers. We get that. And mm -hmm. it starts to sort of ground you a bit more. And and we know that's a, it's a big year for David Montgomery. And hopefully he's a, at least a thousand yard rusher. And, and hopefully he has some Pro Bowl caliber season coming behind this new look offensive line and 
and working with Justin Fields. Absolutely. He's got a huge year ahead of him. Obviously, uh, his contract, contract situation is up for grabs, but I don't think he really cares about that right now. I thought it was really awesome to hear his comments today, um, speaking uh, very openly about depression and mental health and how him you know, finding out that he's going to be a father really just you know, lit a fire underneath him and, and not just football, but in life. And I think that you and I can both relate to that, right? The, the day that you find out you're going to be a father is a day that you'll never forget for the rest of your life. And, and you just take on so much of a, a new passion and, and responsibility in life. So it's really cool for him to, 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 to go through this process right now on and off the football field. I think he's going to be extremely motivated this year. I think he's going to have a great season. Um, he hit it on the head today that that running back room is 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 loaded it's a fun room because montgomery is a very uh versatile weapon but i think khalil herbert is is just as good if not you know maybe a little bit better and you we can't forget we got a we got a, a fullback again with the bears right kari blasting game sure. is there and he's going to be a lead blocker and he's got ability to catch the football out the backfield and the bears gonna have to make some tough cut tough cuts at that position because i promise you once preseason starts uh, look out for Darrington Evans. He's also a guy that they picked up from the from the Tennessee Titans. This kid can play football. He's got some juice to him, and you know it's going to be very very difficult for the Bears to try and cut a guy like that um, because he's going to become, I promise you this, a, a preseason um, favorite for Bears fans. He's going to break off a couple runs. Very versatile, can catch the football, can play special teams. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do there and how many guys they keep. I, I would venture to think that because they want to be a run-first uh, team, they might keep they might keep an extra running back uh, over a, a uh, another wide receiver. They might go with five wide receivers and an extra running back. So we'll see. And we see it year after year. I don't even want to speak it into existence, but running back position is brutal, and you see guys like. Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cooks all take their lumps. Alvin Kamara, the best of them, take their lumps. It's about that next man up and and really feeling out, especially right now during camp and going into preseason, who who can be as good as Khalil Herbert was in relief of David Montgomery, right? Mm-hmm. So we we shall see. And, and there, it seems like it's a, a good dearth of talent there. Where were you when you found out you were going to be a father, Ross, that you had brought up an interesting point? Um. I was, uh, it was actually right before our wedding anniversary. It was like our ninth wedding anniversary. And I found out, um, my wife told me obviously that, that, that we were pregnant and, um, we, we celebrated that, that evening because we already had, uh, anniversary plans with the Chicago cut, which is an amazing restaurant as always. And, um, you know, I celebrated with a couple, uh, old fashions. She celebrated with water and, mm-hmm. um, that was awesome. Um, and then when I found out we were having a boy was actually after a Bears preseason game. I went to uh, Federale's uh, to go watch a Bears preseason game, and Trubisky stunk up the joint. And I'll never forget this. I was still a, a Trubisky defender, and I was getting into an argument on Twitter with Mark Schlereth, the former ESPN analyst and, and <laughs> offensive lineman. And, um, and I came home um, about five or six cores lights deep, and my wife was like, hey, we're having a boy. And everything just completely went out the window after that. I could not care anymore about that preseason game or, or me fighting with Mark Schlereth. I think it was the last time I, uh, I, I got into an argument with Mark Schlereth. The last and, time I talked to Mark Schlereth. Yeah. Now, our, now my boy is downstairs screaming about having to take a bath right now. He'll be six in November. I was about to say, don't congratulate him, Cliff. He's been a father for a while. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, that's funny. And, and a good segue to uh, our, our boy Mitch Trubisky as we talk about the rest of the NFL headlines going around. And boy, Trubisky looks like it, it ain't it as far as the starting quarterback battles. You know, there's there's a few teams out there that are you're going to have to watch pretty closely. And one is the Panthers. Uh, well, one is, one is the Browns that is a mess right now. But the Seahawks, you know, with Drew Locke over there and Geno uh, Smith, which is terrible. But this one with Trubitsky and Pickett is just uh, not looking great for the Steelers on the heels of Ben Roethlisberger retiring. And it's it's a whole new look for this franchise. Trubisky looked like shit. He was downright bad with the ones at Steelers camp. And and I, I wish everybody, every former Bears well. I, I don't wish ill on, on a guy like that when he was misused or whatever. But he had 10 passes thrown. He had zero touchdowns. He hadn't had a scoring drive since this past Thursday as of today. It's, it was just ugly, and it was a, a bad look for the Steelers. And and you wonder, again, we, we've talked about Trubisky before on the show. He looks like he's going to be holding the clipboard. What, what's the likelihood that he loses this training camp battle in the, the starting quarterback position to pick it, Ross? I mean, I, I think it's highly I think it's highly likely. He might even lose it to, to Mason uh, Rudolph, who took number one snaps today, right? Listen. I think Mitchell Trubisky, excuse me, is a backup quarterback in this league, right? And I think he he deserved this opportunity to be able to show uh, if he can be a number one quarterback again, right? After holding a clipboard for a year in Buffalo, and I know there was a piece that came out in in, in um, Monday Morning Quarterback this week about how he's changed and this and that, but. When I see him on the football field, I see a guy who um, doesn't have a lot of confidence in his game, who struggles to see the field at the speed that the NFL level is. Um, and he doesn't quite you know, have the accuracy that, that you look for. He doesn't process things at the, at the speed that you want. And because of that, that just screams back up, which is fine. It's fine. Listen, yeah. you, you can be a guy like um, who's the uh, like like Chase Daniel, right, and, and make a ton of money in this career and, oh, and, and, and and stick around for ten plus years and raise a family and, and be a quality backup. That's okay. I, I don't consider Chubisky to be um, a complete bust per se. He's not at the level of Ryan Leaf or, or Jamarcus Russell. If he sticks around for 10 years, that's a successful NFL career. He just wasn't the, the star that maybe uh, a lot of people thought he was going to be. The thing is, though, is I, I think in Chicago, he was coddled a little bit. We all remember them turning off the TVs uh, in the hallways so they wouldn't see the bad stuff that the media says you know, about him on TV every day. And, you know, I, I think for, you know, Matt Nagy's faults with the offense, I did think he protected Trubisky, you know, quite a bit. And so did Ryan Pace. Mike Tomlin doesn't give a shit, bro. Like, he just wants to win football games. He's been there for a long time. He's going to he's gonna sit your ass down if you don't have it. And I think if Mitchell Trubisky continues on this trend that he's showing right now in training camp, he's going to get a preseason game or two. But if it ain't there, Tomlin's going to bench you. He's going to play the kid. He's going to play Pickett. Or he's going to play Mason Rudolph. And he's just going to figure it out from there. It's what he's been doing for years. I mean, he was, he was throwing – Ben, Big Ben out there and his noodle arm for all those years, and he still found a way to to basically go 500 every single year. It, Tomlin just doesn't have that kind of patience uh, for for a guy like Mitchell Trubisky, in my opinion. So I, I don't expect this to last too much longer if he continues to struggle. You got any other opinions on uh, the quarterback camp battles that I mentioned as far as starters, Drew Locke and Geno Smith, and then we got Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield for the Panthers? Not necessarily. I, I think we're still way too early, right? I think preseason games are in, in, in 
uh, reps are going to show us a lot. I'm really yes, interested. We, we've been talking about these second-year guys. I think those are the guys that I get really interested in seeing in preseason. Of course, our own Justin Fields. But, you know, we, we got a, a second-year guy showing up to Soldier Field week one in Trey Lance. He's had some, you know, some up-and-down moments, excuse me, in camp right now. Um, you know, Zach Wilson, same thing with him, with the Jets, right? It looks like, by all accounts, um, Tua Tungalova is having a good camp. So it'd be really interesting to see what he does. I, I to me, it's all about the younger guys right now, and um, and, and what are they going to do? You know, with their opportunity uh, in preseason season going into to week one and two of uh, the season. Fair enough. Talking about quarterbacks, Tom Brady turning forty-five. Leonard Fournette got him a, a happy hundredth birthday. Goat cake. Mm. That was that was pretty hilarious. Leonard Fournette always making fun of his resident old head, and he's suiting up. God damn, unbelievable, man. Uh, and, and the last football note I had here was was it, man, I, I haven't watched Hard Knocks in a while, I feel yeah. like. But, but how bad is it when the Lions get the nod for training for uh, Hard Knocks on HBO? I don't understand. You, Dan Campbell is the only appeal here. Fuck else am I watching? Jay, we've already seen golf on the, like in, golf. California dumbass. Like, I mean, yeah, I don't know. The model girlfriend that he has, right? She'll show up, she'll make an appearance a, a couple okay. times there. Yeah, I, um, I, it's not intriguing to me. I don't think I've, I've watched a full hard knock season probably since that Rams Chargers year, that, that combined season that they had, which was like that COVID season. Um, I, I, I can't remember who was doing the, who was the team last year. I, I don't really remember paying attention. Yeah. Dan Campbell is a, freaking nut job he, he's he's a crazy dude we're gonna see a lot of a lot of dan campbell i think a lot of people are gonna be buying into the dan uh, campbell uh stock they're gonna be drinking the kool-aid and still that football team is gonna go like you know four and 13 this year i, I don't expect them to to do much as long as jerry goff is still your starting quarterback i, I just can't buy into you yeah no thank you i i will not be watching detroit you still suck I, I don't understand it yes uh yeah, that that's all the the NFL news I had here, and, and it is. I mean, we didn't, you know, I didn't think we didn't really address the the, the Sean Watson, Sean Watson stuff. Yeah, and it's early. It's worth mentioning that the NFL is appealing this decision, the six game suspension, and how they they want an indefinite suspension at least for the year. They want him fined. They want him to go to counseling, whatever like that. Mm-hmm. It's just a bad look. I, I mean, it is worth talking about Ross because the NFL repeatedly goes and continues to, to seemingly mishandle these situations. And, you know, you can go back into the recent years and talk about Calvin Ridley most recently with the betting scandal. Scandal! Oh, he bet on some games. He suspended the whole year. Vontez Perfect had targeting for 12 games. But but those, all these allegations, you know, of course, Josh Gordon for weed repeatedly. Like, get, get the fuck out of here with this at this point. And now Deshaun Watson, six games with 25 of these sexual assault allegations, like what is the disconnect? Are you trying to make it look like a PR nightmare? Or are you just trying to look like the most horribly managed, like, like it just not appropriately punishing players uh, professional league here. It just doesn't make a, a whole lot of sense to me. And, you know, it's a terrible situation for the Browns and it's a terrible situation for the NFL to look at this on its face and, and really see, What's what's going on with this situation here? I, I mean, six games just seems like really a slap on the wrist at this point. Yeah, and you know, there's just inconsistencies across the board, right? The NFL tells you that they 
they don't want to they don't want to really be the the judge jury and executioner on this so they go out there and they bring in an independent counsel um and, and they ask you know sue robinson who's a who's a judge to to rule on this and then she does she gives you her her ruling and then goodell says hey you know what i don't i'm not a big fan of that and so now i'm going to appeal that and, and try and suspend him for a year and in my opinion it's like well then you never should have brought her in in the first place right you should have had the balls to go out there and say i will you know i, I will have the full judgment on this and then you know you and i are not lawyers we're not going to get into the legality you know situation on all this but you know now all of a sudden you know we we learned that the cba does have that roger goodell can overrule this and he can be judge jury and executioner in a way right and that you know whatever he decides out of this could be uh you know his findings could be binded in, in final so you know uh, of course watson's camp has already said they're they're going to sue the league and that just means that this is going to drag out for an extended period of time and, and i think that it's not a good look for the league it's not gonna it's not gonna i think people are already you know really tired of this we we want to see you know the, the action on the football field and then you start thinking about the victims that are involved too right and how these women have to continue to relive this whole situation every single day and and so it's just ugly all the way around um you know we're all going to be watching very closely and it's going to dominate the headlines but at some point you hope that you know we can get back to football um and and you know i i think a lot of people we've seen the allegations for um you know, for, for what Watson says, we just want the truth to come out. And at the end of the day, uh, for the punishment to fit the the evidence that is being brought forward. So you know, I, I don't think we're really at a position to speculate any more than that. But we will all be watching closely. And um, I just got to say, thank goodness we've got a young man like Justin Fields in Chicago who, you know, yeah. you know, fingers crossed by all accounts is a good young man and hopefully will stay that way. And hopefully uh, the Bears one day will be able to give him $55, $60 million a year and not have to worry about these kind of scandals. Don't jinx him, Ross, as we move on. Him, so. <laughs> don't jinx him. You know, the, uh, biggest, as, the biggest beef I have for him is he doesn't like beef. He's a vegan. <laughs> but, oh, Fields is a vegan? I didn't even know that. Vegan. Oh yes. Look at that. But uh, I, I won't hold that against him. I wonder if he puts ketchup on his steak like Pat Mahomes. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Clearly, he puts ketchup on his in his uh, meatless meatloaf <laughs> on his artichoke. <laughs> so, as as I mentioned, uh, Bill Russell and Vin Scully, man, legends leaving us, and and no disrespect to Michelle Nichols, of course, who played Uhura on on Star Trek, who paved the way for Zoe Saldana, which was great. But you know, just quickly on Vin Scully, he was everything to baseball. He's the most iconic voice, the the, the classiest guy. Uh, you you heard his voice was just very calming and and great as the Dodgers broadcaster in Brooklyn and L.A. for 67 years. It's just insane that he did what he did for so long and and excelled at it for so long. And to think of everything he saw over the years actively uh, broadcasting and seeing the game change, it's incredible. Baseball certainly would not be the same without him. Just a few things that that he saw: three perfect games throughout his career. He, he saw Johnny Podris' uh, shutout of the Yankees in Game 7 of the 55 World Series, just these World Series in the 50s, right. and the Dodgers' first game in, in the L.A. Coliseum. Right. He saw the return to the Coliseum in 2008 in front of, like, 100,000 people. I mean, he just He called saw the catch. The Montana the to catch. Dwight Clark. Yeah. Aaron, Hank Aaron's 715th career home run, he called. The, yeah. you know, the Bill Buckner error, the – 
the four consecutive homers hit by LA in, in 2006. It was the only time in franchise history it happened. He, he saw it all quite frankly. And uh, I, I mean, he, he was only retired for, for so long and, and just passed away at 94 in LA, but uh, just, just incredible. And, and both you and I, you know, have been, having been around broadcasting for a long time, we're, we're big fans of it Scully. Absolutely. I mean, he, he literally is the last of, of, you know, at this point, what feels like a dead breed, right. Which is, um, you know, just a voice of sports, a, a person that you tuned into uh, just as much as the game. I think a lot of times nowadays people listen to, to sporting events with the sound down or, you know, they're, they're quick yeah. to criticize the, the, the broadcasters that we have now. Um, it, that just never was a thing. I, you know, Vince Scully, Vince Scully was a guy who had a, a 100% Q rating, was just a very amazing, versatile guy. He's, he's definitely one of the ghosts of all time. And, and you know, that kind of transitions me too into Bill Russell, who was just also yeah. an amazing human being. Uh, one of the greatest winners in sports history um, was, was absolutely amazing. And, and yes, Cliff, Michelle Nichols, I, I actually used to watch Star Trek as a kid uh, because of her and just seeing that kind of representation on my TV uh, in a sci-fi show and just in, in, in TV in general was absolutely amazing. So, you know, we lost three people this this week that are uh, that were truly amazing to us and all unique in their individual way. But also, I think it's really awesome that we can celebrate all three of their accomplishments. And we have so much that they left behind that we can go back to and cherish forever. They will all three live on uh, forever going forward. No question. I mean, Bill Russell, the winningest basketball player we've ever seen. 11 rings with the Celtics. He had two as a player coach. He was breaking barriers, records. He helped the NBA become uh, what it is now while playing and, and even in retirement. Eight consecutive titles, just records that won't be broken in, in our lifetimes or, or for a very long time, I, I got to think. Important topics here as we wrap up the show on the Mac and Reed show. Uh, Aaron Rodgers opening up about doing ayahuasca. It helped him reach his current state of self-love. Heard Neil Brennan has done it and loves it. And many other celebrities. It's, it's a, the new thing to do, by the way, it's illegal. So Aaron Rodgers should not be talking about it. Just do it in the privacy of your own home or with your shaman. Ross, when are you doing it? I, I'm not doing it. Are you the police? <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm trying to entrap you. Trying to get me. <laughs> I'll give it to you in New Orleans when you're not looking. Uh, no, thank you. I, I have no interest in ayahuasca. The, the purging part of it also sounds terrible. Like you yeah. take it and you immediately retch and throw up. I hate yeah. throwing up. Yeah, it's I'm the good. worst. Why don't you want to take, take a drug that makes you puke? I'm good. No trip is worth that. Good no. God, man. Yeah, the NFL should investigate Rodgers. Yeah, Get him out of the league. Put him in prison. Uh, no Batgirl. Are you disappointed, Ross? How do you stop once you've already started so much, like filming and, and sunk so much money into this project, uh, and they just axed the whole Batgirl situation? That's wild. Know. Now Twitter's going to do like that Snyder Cut thing that they did a couple years ago and make them release yeah. Batgirl, and it's going to be a truly atrocious movie. And you're like, see, we fucking told you we didn't want to yeah. release it. We saved you from it. Why did you make us release it? <laughs> yeah, that's all I got with random topics. Although with Bullet Train coming out Friday, uh, we present to you one of the my top favorites. five Brad Pitt movies. Brad Pitt, such a legend already out of Oklahoma. Did a and, movie called Legend of the Fall, which is a great movie. Yeah, he did a lot of great movies. I yeah. I, I gotta say he's aged like wine too, man. And he had yeah. all them kids with Angelina Jolie and had a had a great, great dating history for sure. And an honorable mention, the ones that didn't make the top five to me are like 
even just goofy ones like the Mexican and, and yeah. World War Z, I thought, which I think yeah. they're still doing like a sequel to. That was pretty mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Uh, the Oceans franchise was fun. Yeah. Uh, I like Troy. Troy was great. He was yeah. Achilles. Killing them softly is a, is a really good garbage crime movie. Gary, I like that one. Favorite. Yeah, that's my one favorite. Too. Yeah. Uh, Burn After Reading, did, Coen's brother, did a Coen Brothers movie, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, Assassination of Jesse James is one of his most underrated. I do like, yeah. And also, like, one of the worst, the longest titles. You you abbreviated it. The Assassination yeah. of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. I've, like, watched that on an airplane, and I remember being pretty stunned by his performance it was pretty great yes absolutely, absolutely. alluding alluding to the top five here renewable and rechargeable review there um so to start it off for me seven is is number five when he is the rookie detective learning from morgan freeman i mean it's your boy david fincher it's a great script great movie overall the iconic line what's in the box it's, in the box? it's uh it's so good from top to bottom and that's that's just a great film and, and he happens to be really starting to trend upwards with that performance and, and that film. And, and and it's, it's just one of the best films of all time. And, and again, wh- where we start to see Brad Pitt as a household name is definitely that movie. That's where he met his uh, future wife to be Gwyneth Paltrow, of course, <laughs> who, who her head is and what's in the box. Spoiler alert. That's right. um, David Fincher is my favorite director of all time. Seven is my third favorite movie of all time. So that is also on my number five as well. Just an awesome performance. The fact that he was able to go there and stand toe to toe with Morgan Freeman, who was a legend at that point, and um, and also um, um, Kevin Spacey, who was an emerging uh, star as well, is just absolutely awesome. Fincher is very tough on his stars, as we've heard, like Jake Gyllenhaal say during Zodiac. So the fact that that Brad Pitt was able to stick that landing was absolutely awesome. Great performance from him. No question. Number four for me is Moneyball as the great Billy Bean and and started the whole sabermetrics uh, process and all this analytics. And and again, just a well done movie overall. He did a great job portraying Billy Bean, I thought. And that's that's in the top five for me. You see Jonah Hill here uh, alongside him. I think Chris Pratt and a bunch of other great uh, actors were in this film as well. But Brad Pitt as as another great lead actor um, spot for him. Number uh, Moneyball is number three on my list as well. So for everything that you just said, 100%. Uh, Moneyball to me is the most underrated sports movie to come out in the last 20 to 25 years. I, I, it should have been nominated. It should have been nominated for Best Picture. He should have been nominated um, for for Best Actor. There's no reason why that book about fucking Billy Bean, who should have taken the job at for as Boston Red Sox GM, should be just that damn good. But it, it is. I think that's a testament to Brad Pitt, who worked hard to get that movie made. So he's awesome, absolutely awesome in that movie. Um, my number four is a Quentin Tarantino movie. Um, it's the movie that he won an Oscar for is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, yeah. I, I think his performance is absolutely amazing in that movie. The chemistry with him and Leonardo DiCaprio. I can watch those two do movies. Yeah. Absolutely. Like on and on and on. Him playing Cliff Booth in that movie and he's got the dog. It's absolutely awesome. The last 15 to 20 minutes with Brad Pitt in that movie is just absolutely electric. He's amazing. The guy's like 57 years old. He takes his shirt off. He's absolutely shredded. Um, he's just, he's the coolest guy on the planet. <laughs> that was right on cue. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him. 57? 57. That's amazing. Yeah. It, that's number three for me as well as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as, as Cliff Booth and him and DiCaprio is so good. And, and he has so many good moments in that movie. 
uh, fighting hippies and Bruce Lee, just peak Brad Pitt. And, and as Leo said, you know, getting blind drunk together is really the only way to say farewell uh, between the two there. But yeah, number three for me, he had uh, a couple great roles in, in, in Quentin Tarantino films. And another one is Inglorious Bastards when he was Aldo Rain and I want my scalps and Bongiorno had a lot of great one-liners and, and great moments in that film. And it was, you know, that, you talk about Brad Pitt and his legacy. It's certainly being able to appear in all these, like having the opportunity to appear on all these films is unbelievable. Like for him to go from Tarantino to Fincher to the Coen brothers and, and everybody in between uh, really good. And, and his work in, in glorious bastards, that's another great you know movie overall, but he certainly makes it as Aldo rain in, in that one. Glorious Bastards is, is my number one. It is my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie um, of all time that he's made. Um, he's hilarious in that movie. He's super charismatic. But I, I, what I love the most is the scenes that he has with, with Christoph Waltz, who won an Academy Award for that movie. He kind of lets Christoph cook a little bit. Like, he lets him kind of do his thing. Um, and Brad Pitt is absolutely awesome as the leader of the Bastards. Um, like I said, very funny. The whole scene where he's interrogating the guy and he brings out the bear Jew. It, it's absolutely awesome. It, it's really good stuff. The, um, the, the, the card scene in, in the basement uh, before the big shootout happens. Also awesome as well. So that's my, that's my number one. We've got two Tarantino movies on our list. I'm going to bring it back to my number two. We're going Fincher again. It's Fight Club. Fight oh, Club, yes. Fight number Club one for me. Yeah. My number two. Um, I think that was the movie that really, really made him a super duper star. Um, again, guys completely shredded in that movie. He's great opposite uh, Edward Norton, who's kind of playing that calm, you know, kind of super druggy, weird guy. Um, the clothes are hilarious in that movie. The fight scenes are awesome. He's awesome in that movie. Tyler Durden, of course, the soap. The, the the little cut thing with the with the porno scene into the uh, into the regular movies the whole thing is absolutely awesome it, it's it's just Pete Fincher with the style the stylization and uh, Brad Pitt nails it to perfection yeah he really does uh, you you said it all Ross and I think you know him his best roles are certainly built on the cast around him and, and directors like he wouldn't be where he is today without working with David Fincher and Edward Norton and guys everybody we mentioned Morgan Freeman and Leo to get to this point now working on, on Tarantino films and he's not done too you know we'll be working on another World War Z I'm I'm kind of curious to see Bullet Train and he's been promoting that uh, as, as kind of this action hero that he is but uh, but yeah also Fight Club was number one for me and it's crazy to think that was 99 and now years later you know talk about the guys like he's in the same breath as as a Tom Cruise just still still dominating 100%. He's getting, uh, the movie's getting great reviews already, so I'm excited to see it. It's got a, an awesome cast. Um, he's also been a, a great executive producer. He, he's a executive right. producer, Moonlight, which has won a Best Picture Academy Award. He executive produced uh, If Beale Street Could Talk, which is also dominated for Academy Award, um, as well as The Last Black Man of San Francisco. So he's just a really smart guy. And he's been picking a lot of great projects uh, later on in his career. So, I mean, who would have thought that a guy who came in, you know, as in, in Thelma Louise as kind of like a pretty boy, has turned into uh, one of the most iconic producers and actors of our generation. Yeah, he was part of Outer Range recently, which was really yes, um, was. a pretty good, pretty good series as well. Kudos to Brad Pitt. Go see Bullet Train Friday. We we don't work for 
for him. For now, <laughs> we uh, got to sign off. Thanks to everybody for listening in to the Barflies. Uh, follow Barroom Network at Barroom Network on Twitter for all the great shows and programming, audio and visual. Uh, check it out on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your media. I'm at 311Mac on Twitter. Ross is at Ross Reed. We get a football and- game tomorrow. We get a football yeah. game every oh, single game? week now yeah. until yeah. until February. It's back. It's we made back. it. We made we it. We made it. Yeah. Everybody enjoy August. Enjoy the rest of your week. For now, we say deuces. So long, everybody. See you guys.